this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. Hi, we are Strangers No More, where people, where all people are loved with the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we are here today to talk about the Come Follow Me lesson, Joseph Smith History 1 to 1 to 20, 1 to 26. But also to mention a little bit about our previous episode, which didn't air because it didn't record. It was eaten by the cloud. <laughs> so we will talk a little bit about that. Um, I want to follow up on our introductory episode and tell you, our audience, how we were named. I was given this whisper that we would be named when the uh, October conference came around and that I needed to listen really carefully to all of the talks. And when Elder Gong started talking, I started feeling an impression that I really, really needed to listen to what he had to say. And sure enough, there it was. In the household of faith, there are to be no strangers, no foreigners, no rich and poor, no outside others. As fellow citizens with the saints, we are invited to change the world for the better from the inside out, one person, one family, one neighborhood at a time. This happens when we live and share the gospel. And I wanna thank the Holy Spirit for giving me an impression to keep my ears open. And I want to thank all of these fine young people who are joining me who I'll actually identify as men. <laughs> we have Andrew, Dennis, and Bradley that are here to join us and to talk about um, Come Follow Me. So I'm going to start out with giving Andrew a chance to say who, who, who he is and a little bit about what he's done in his calling this week. Um, my name's Andrew Mayer. I'm, a, uh, I'm an author. I wrote a book called Tales of a Paperboy, a Christmas Story. So if you're still in the Christmas mood, it's still <laughs> available. Um, uh, if you're not in the Christmas mood, it's still available. So um, anyway, uh, but um, but I'm the ward mission leader in our ward. And if you, if you ask me to, about that particular calling, I didn't do very much this week. However, uh, being the ward mission leader, I'm also the first counselor and the elders quorum president. And I actually spent a lot of time um, helping someone who really needed our help. He's been in and out of the hospital and he was able to come home. And I felt really uplifted as um, I performed that service. And I, I followed what the savior asked us to do to to, to, well, to that know that you know um, that we take care of each other. Thank you, Andrew. Really appreciate your service and and for you giving your report of your service, Bradley. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm Bradley Talbot. I'm a student at BYU. I just moved into Provo today, or I guess last night. So I finally have a place. Hopefully I'll be able to get a calling soon now because I have a ward. Um, I'm studying psychology. I'm a gay Latter-day Saint uh, around Color of the Campus. Do a lot of good has things Color of the campus, Has Color of the Campus done anything over the Christmas holidays? No, it hasn't. <laughs> I haven't even, I'm all over the place. I haven't been able to think about that yet, but soon well, hopefully. But down. You, you have done a little bit of missionary efforts, I would say, in the recording of a podcast that went live on Saturday. Yes, I was on Listen, Learn, and Love with Papa Osler. That went live on Saturday, so that was really fun. Fantastic. Thank you, Bradley. Dennis, how about yourself? So I share the same calling as Andrew. Um, I serve as a ward mission leader. 
and uh, first counselor in the eldest quorum presidency. And my calling was really strong this week because I was really feeling the spirit of Heavenly Father and the gifts that we had. Um, just, you know, with my dad having a stroke or heart attack on the 26th, the day after Christmas, and his mother passing away at almost 97 the, um, the following day while in the hospital. One of the blessings with that, though, was my father shared with me that he, um, he was supposed to be there the next morning to take care of her, and he would have found her dead in the house. And she was a few days before her 97th birthday. And I was blessed to be able to give her a comfort blessing and give her permission to move home to Heavenly Father and to be with Grandpa. And I was also able to teach her the plan of salvation. And she said, that sounds so nice. I can't wait for you to do my ordinance. I didn't have it, the heart to say, well, I can't do your ordinance. I can be there for your ordinance, but I can't perform them. A woman would have to, a, a would, would have to do that. So I just said, I'll be honored, grand, Grandma, to do that. Well, my father shared with me that had he stayed, um, the heart attack happened a day later, he would have ignored the, the pressure in his chest and it could have been catastrophic. So it was actually a blessing that he had a heart attack the day before his mother and my grandmother died. But um, yesterday in our mission coordination meeting, I have missionary coordination meetings every week and I work with uh, stake presidents. I work with uh, ward mission leaders. I work with um, mission press, general authorities, or I should say serve. And I had the blessing to basically share and, and bring back people that have basically been lost sheep within the church. And without getting into too much detail, it was just it, feeling the spirit of my grandmother and my younger brother who passed away uh, and feeling that the veil is so thin on the other side and then doing missionary work, it just validated that all of us can be hashtag missionaries for life. And a lot of people you know, will say, oh, Dennis, you've had so many convert baptisms and you've done all this. And I, I don't need that number out anymore because I never want somebody that served a mission in Sweden and had zero baptisms to compare to the amount of baptisms I've had. Um, and, you know, it's not important to, to count them, but I'm, I would say that just feeling the, the blessings of serving with our elders and sisters all over the world and has brought me immense joy and peace knowing that my grams is on the other side cheering me on and my younger brother is also cheering me on so um that is probably one of the biggest ways that i've i've noticed um my calling has amplified and and i still say that i'm a greenie because um i think we're all green and i like to say that because it kind of lessons when I'm serving with elders and sisters, when I always get on the phone with them and I go, well, I'm a greenie and they laugh and chuckle. Uh, so I say there's nothing wrong with owning that. Thank you so much, Dennis. I really appreciate that. Well, I'm Maggie and I'm from Olympia, Washington or sister Maggie, according to my testimony blog. In my calling as a temple and family history consultant, I have found that many people in the LGBTQ plus community don't know that same-sex marriages can be recorded into family search. Um, that's been about a year, a little over a year that that's been available to us. Uh, I, I did experiment with a few things. Um, I, I've been, I've had the calling of family history consultants since I came to the church almost eight years ago, on and off in many different wards and branches. And I remember when I first came in being a single person. And when I would look at the family tree, it literally would say, add a husband. Now it defaults to my exes. So I can't get it to default to showing me a blank <laughs> at all. <laughs> I want it to, but it won't. 
Your exes will always be there, huh? Yeah, my exes will always be there. So I have to choose a default ex for it to show up. Which one do I like the best? Or, well, what or you ends can go with doing... the one you like the least. That'd be well, fun. no, what, what ends up doing is I end up defaulting to the one that's attached to the child who I'm oh. doing the work with. And this last week, I had in addition to my family tree, uh, I had a grandchild, my fifth grandchild, Rory was born. And I did a little bit of a social experiment on my social media. I did not disclose their gender <laughs> or, or their biological sex. <laughs> Sorry. I am 54 years old. Things have been phrased different things, vocabulary. I'm in the old school of vocabulary. A lot of times I slip with things. And even though I may have the understanding of how things are taught nowadays, I may not verbalize them that way, if that makes any sense. So it was, it was because most of my audience and my friends are all my, around my age group, it was interesting seeing their reactions to not having a gendered pronoun in the announcement. They couldn't call on, oh, she's so cute, or oh, he's so cute, because I didn't give them that. And yet several of them took upon themselves to gender my grandchild in the announcement. And I'm like, well, thank you for the congratulations, but I didn't give you a gender. <laughs> So that was it was it was an interesting experiment and I and I really enjoyed that because it gave me a little bit of a distraction from not being able to hold said grandchild and to smell said grandchild's neck. <laughs> so that all being said, let's head into the come follow me lesson for this week. I was really hit upon by the emphasis on personal revelation that's been going on in the church for the last couple of years. And the reason, or I should say the focus that I've noticed has been in teaching our children. Now, none of you have children in the church, so I don't know how you've been exposed or not exposed to the children's curriculum. Bradley, you may have been with the, your younger siblings. But what's happened over the last couple of years, I've noticed with my grandchildren's curriculum, is that there's a lot more focus on personal revelation. And I bring that in because when we studied the anniversary last year of Joseph Smith's first vision, we really started to learn about that, those conversations that we all have with God, and how a conversation that a 14-year-old boy had with God that brought us all here. Hmm. So, Andrew, I'm going to have you introduce the lesson for today. Well, today, our lesson is Joe Smith history. What uh, one verse one through 26. But as we said earlier, we're also going to talk a little bit about our lost episode introduction, which I think is an interesting thing we're taking in both cases where we're looking at, at, um, in my opinion, the preface is all about God's word to us and that we are weak and that we, we fail. And one of the things out of the Joseph Smith history that I just kept coming because I, as I read the this, I also read the different versions of the the uh, um, of the first vision as we went through this. I I was struck by the key piece here was that Joseph was seeking repentance. I often, as I grew up, believed he was only seeking which church is right, but he was seeking which church is right but for the reason to obtain forgiveness of his sins. 
and it's as I went through this, and I, it occurred to me that in every case, as we um, as we watch through the, as the uh, DNC moves moves through, the Doctrine and Covenants moves on, and as as you understand the church history, a form of repentance is seeking to align our will and our life with that of the Savior, and and that is what happens in the Doctrine and Covenants. Joseph Smith prays, seeking to align himself, and and we call that repentance, but sometimes what we call repentance is only a sliver of what we what that actually is. It's really, and that's what I got out. This whole thing is in because he he was repenting and trying to align his will with God's will. Wonderful, thank you so much, Bradley. <laughs> I'm I'm going to pull on something that we were talking about last week and say, is there a bad boy part to this lesson? <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I look at Bradley and I just do not see bad boy. <laughs> no, I just feel like I, I offer so, like my perspective sometimes are like, I resist a little and I, I am just always trying to think like, okay, I, I love this. I agree with this, but sometimes I have issues and it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it, even though I have been like a lifelong member. Um, I really like this section of like the first part of Joseph Smith history. I mean, it's like the most well-known obviously. Um, but I, I just love the process of him going through like how to receive answers to his question and to like receive that repentance, that forgiveness that Andrew was talking about. Um, and it just blows my mind that he was only 14. Um, we talk about that a little bit, but I don't think I quite like <laughs> come to terms with that because it just is so out there. Like I'm 23. I'm not that much older than that, but I still feel so much older and I still have so many questions. I still don't know how things work. Yeah, he was only two years older than what you look, Bradley. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Really, though. Yeah. Well, he just got out of Pampers. The fact that he was 14 <laughs> is a big deal. Yeah. Um, when I wrote my book, I wrote about a 14-year-old kid. And when I first wrote it, my first draft, he was too adult My book in my book. And I had to... Mm. I had to... Be, take this kid who's very and make him a lot more selfish because that's what a 14 year old kid is like and so when i read uh, joseph smith's stuff it's really interesting that not only was he seeking for his own repentance but it says many places he was concerned about the world itself that is very unlike a 14 year old it is <laughs> but also notice that the word hearken was brought up a lot and the, that means to listen. And I think a lot of what he was doing was listening. When I think about myself before I was plunged, back when I was, you know, stealing the Book of Mormon out of anger and saying, <laughs> I'm not going to pay for this racist book or almost starting an LGBT protest at the dedication of the Connecticut Temple. Um, <clears throat> I'm a completely different person now. So when I was reading this, I was resonating with so many things that I just kept diving deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And one of the things that I, I really resonate with, as I wrote down from my impressions, is we can all, and I capitalized all, call on God. And I think about um, in the history, one, uh, five through 20, Joseph Smith, if I ask in faith, God will answer. And then I read and I highlighted. So for those of you who don't know me, I highlight everything and I color coat um, everything. And I have these stickers. I'll, I'll share a story with these. This is how I learned the importance of keeping the Sabbath day holy with these stickers. Um, at a later date, you guys can remind me. But so I, I highlight in date and time everything because this is my journal. And so... When I read in, if you ask in faith, God will answer. And then it, then I highlighted, think of your own needs 
for wisdom and greater understanding. And I just wrote, wow and wow. When I also think about the persecution that Joseph Smith had, this goes back to being an LGBT convert when so many people are leaving the church over this issue. And I'm like, what? This is the most safest place for us because the persecution was my revelation to coming, well, one of them. And I happened to be at the Sacred Grove. And when I was in the Sacred Grove and I felt all the persecution that our pioneer ancestors went through, there's a video that um, our church did for me when we launched my book uh, that's on my Instagram page and it's on YouTube, but it talks about the LGBT community and the pioneers of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But when I was reading about when Joseph Smith faced opposition, he identified with the Apostle Paul, who also was persecuted for saying that he had visions. And that I put into Dennis, the LGBT community. When I read that, and I actually going to circle back here, and I want to talk a little bit more to to Bradley, because when I read that and when I read this in, in our Come Follow Me lesson, I can remain true to what I know, even if others reject me. I immediately yes, thought of a yes. tweet. I immediately thought of a tweet that Bradley had made yesterday about having such a, a firm testimony in Jesus Christ and yet not having the understanding from his audience. Bradley, is, is, did you get that same from this lesson? I mean, now that you bring that up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great thing about Come Follow Me in this discussion is having four people from all around the US, we get to help and educate each other. Mm -hmm. And, and, and like, it's funny, sorry. Well, I was gonna say a, a part of that tweet that you're referencing was actually kind of inspired by uh, this whole project of, I felt like I was sharing my um, like experiences with uh, Papa Osler on that podcast mm. and retweeting some of the things that were being said on the Strangers No More Twitter. Um, and just kind of felt like no one was really caring, <laughs> I guess. Not that they didn't care, but like some of uh, what I tweet, like I get a lot of interaction, a lot of people like it. And it just was so obvious that no one was really interacting with those things that I was super proud of and super excited for. Um, yeah, the so great thing about social media is that people react to things. And the worst thing about social media is that they don't react to the things you want them to. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, just, it just kind of made me realize like, I mean, I'm still going to talk about what's important to me, but I was hopeful that people would be more excited about what I was excited about, and they weren't. <laughs> and, and, and Bradley, oh, I, they will, though. They will be. They will. I, so, Bradley, I have to share a story about when, you know, I, um, when my, you know, dad had the heart attack, and the next day, Grams had a stroke, and I, or died, and I happened to be there with my uncle, I called no one. The only person I called was Maggie, my bishop, the eldest quorum. And well, yeah, I called a few people, but- um, <laughs> The only people I called were this list of 15. Yeah, but Maggie said, can I share this with, with strangers no more? And I said, yes. And then I said, no, wait. And then I started to have a meltdown. And I said, I got to compose something for my followers on Instagram and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, halt, they don't need this right now. You need to focus on you. Hmm. So I am very adamant that a general authority once told me because I had to do a social media blackout, less, um, less uh, Wi-Fi, more Nephi. And that just goes with my socks today that I'm wearing. Uh, first Nephi 3.7. Go and do by our friends at BOM. Um, there's no way I could take my foot up and go do a yoga position to show <laughs> that, so I just took one off. But anyway, we got to get them to sponsor the show at this point. Oh, yeah, we will <laughs> because I sent him a screenshot of our first episode, and he's like, I love that shout out. Who is this? And so I <laughs> sent him the link. So, anyway, um, they so 
I go back to the general authority who, when I did that less Wi-Fi, more Nephi, and I, I posted, I'm gonna be taking a break. I had so many hundreds of comments saying, I need you, I need you. And I went like this, like, I, I no, they need him, they need God. They need, they need Heavenly Father. They need to rely on scripture, not me. And that goes against the warnings of our prophets and apostles saying, don't follow, you know, fake prophecy and stuff. And I'm not a prophet. But so a general authority said to me, Dennis, they don't need you. They need your testimony. And that was huge for me. So I've had to realize, Bradley, that you can't rely on social media to give you that, that push. You need to rely on reading scripture on James 1.5. Any of you lack wisdom, ask of God, just like Joseph Smith did. And ask God, say, God, I need you. I, I need you to, to help me. And I pray verbally before I do every post on social media. And there's times that I'll get a thousand likes on Instagram and I'll get a hundred likes and I'm going, what is up the, the post with a hundred likes is much better than the post with a thousand likes. And it's just all depends on what is going on. So don't base your self-worth on, on the number of followers you have or that's well, just I my can't... advice. I can't imagine a greater or more spacious building than social media. Just saying. <laughs> but yeah. I want to get back to the lesson a little bit. Okay. Um, Andrew, can you put up the slide for me? I changed, I updated some pronouns in our James 1, 5 through 6. And because James 1, 5 through 6 really, really hits me. I came to this church because of personal revelation. This church became because of revelation. And it all comes down to James 1, 5 through 6. If any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God let, that giveth to all people liberally and upbraideth not, so it shall be given them. But let them ask in faith, nothing wavering, for they that wavereth are like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. And that really caught me because we look in our, our Come Follow Me lesson. And as you mentioned, Dennis, you weren't the only one to highlight the, if I ask in faith, God will answer. You and I, well, I think we all four have, have the testimony of that. Dennis and I were brought to the church with those answers. Um, when I, I, I played the first vision um, video that's, that's linked on the Come Follow Me lesson on, on the app several times. And actually I did it while I was doing my makeup and it just kept coming out one particular phrase. And because it resonated with me, and that was, I knew it, I knew God knew it, and I could not deny it. And that's how I felt when I came up from my prayer. Yeah. Well, Maggie, since you're frozen, um, I'm going to add to something. <laughs> um, so when when he when Joseph Smith's history um, one fifteen twenty, he he asked he says because of the first vision or or actually our church and come follow me he says because the first vision happened I know that how has the first vision blessed you in your life and I have and what I wrote was well I was in New York I was in New York I was in Palmyra I was in the Sacred Grove I felt it. I didn't know what it was, but I felt the spirit. And that was something that, that I, I cannot deny. 
is is I cannot because I've lived on this side of the track and this side of the track and now I'm living on the side that's going up to Heavenly Father it's it's I cannot imagine living without this gospel I have been a member for going on four years and the, another thing I highlighted was um, Joseph Smith when God appeared to Joseph Smith, he called Joseph by name. And I highlighted that and wrote, wow and wow, God knows all of us by name. And what, what that reminds me of is when my state president wanted me to have my endowment early. And he's like, no big deal. I'm just gonna send some paperwork off to the, the planet of Utah. And, and, I, and then he sent me this letter back on my iPhone saying, you've been approved for first presidential approval. And I'm reading my iPhone going, what is first presidential approval? And I'm blowing it up and I'm going, oh heavens. Like, <laughs> like so my, my members in the presidency and other um, area 70s that know me, they will send me text every now and then saying, and I think they just copy and paste the same thing when they feel inspired by the spirit Remember, Dennis, the first presidency knows you by name. He know, they know all of us by name. And they know, uh, and God knows you by name. And yeah. I can't, like, wow. Like, tonight's word is wow. Wow. <laughs> wow and wow. And, and so when I think about Joseph Smith, when, when he had the first vision, um, and God called Joseph by his name. Yeah. And that goes back to Maggie, how when we first met 100 years ago, well, <laughs> 2019, she picked me up off Facebook. And uh, you picked me up. Yeah, we picked each other <laughs> up. How's that? So uh, I, I just remember listening to a podcast you did with my, our friend Richard Osler. And I remember you saying, well, the reason why I go by Sister Maggie is my blog, my website used to be something else. And because the prof, we were told no longer to use the word, the M word anymore, we're members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you said, I'm now going to be Sister Maggie. And, and, that's, and you talked about how when Joseph Smith was, was around, it was, he was Brother Joseph. I was Brother Dennis. And... I always have the missionaries that I serve with all over the world. They, they say, oh, Brother Schleicher. I said, no, no, call me Dennis. Because when, when I'm doing ministering or doing home teachings with them and there's somebody that doesn't want to join a church because they don't think we love and accept all, holler. <laughs> and I'm like, just lessen it by saying Dennis. And it, it, they say like a cloud. It's like a weight's been lifted off. And so I'm going to leave it at that. Thanks, Dennis. I, I want to follow up. Um, you mentioned the question in the Come Follow Me lesson. Because the first vision happened, I know that. And every time that that played on audio, I kept yelling at the audio, I know that my Redeemer liveth. <laughs> what do you know, Andrew? So I... So it, this actually goes back to an experience I had in the, the sacred grove. So a few years ago, I had to take a job in upstate New York because we were about ready to lose our house. This is when I still lived in Utah. And I, I felt abandoned. I felt like, because um, I had felt like I had, my job had gone the way I had done the things that the Lord had asked me to do. I had, I had gone, I had prayed about each step I had, and now we're in a state that I didn't have a job and I have to take this, this job out of state and my wife's going to be left back in Utah and I'm going to be all alone. And just so you know, I have separation anxiety. I travel for a living, which is funny, but I have, I have. Your wife was going to be on a different planet. <laughs> That's right. She stayed in planet Utah and I'm going somewhere else anyway. So I was not in a good place in, in New York. And so one Saturday I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go to the sacred grove. It's about two hours away, two and a half hours away. So I, I got up in the morning and I drove, drove there. And, um, I had this amazing experience that day. I started in the sacred grove, felt like I, um, 
I, I needed to say a prayer. And it was one of those, I, I got to the end of the prayer. I didn't feel like I should close the prayer. So then I went to, and I just left it open. I just kept my mind thinking and, and trying to communicate with our Heavenly Father. And then I went to the E.B. Grandin store where the Book of Mormon was published. And then I remembered that there's a state conference that night. And I, it wasn't my state conference. I'm in another state, right? So I didn't care. Um, but then I thought I should probably go to that. So I got in the car and drove two and a half hours back to the stake where I was. And I didn't know this, but Elder Bednar was speaking. And he, he gave this great lesson. But here's what was, was interesting. He, at the very end of the, the talk, and we were singing the closing hymn, he, um, he changed the closing hymn to whatever, from whatever it was. And by the way, the organist was not happy that he changed. She was, <laughs> she, she was visibly annoyed <laughs> that he's like changed. And it was how firm a foundation he's, but he changed it to. It's my favorite hymn. I have a, yes. I have a seven post blog about this online. So, I mean, I love this. I love this hymn, but how firm a foundation. And there is something about that song that as we sang it, the, the, all the heartache and anxiety and tears just kind of just like burst out of me. I'm sure people, I'm this, I'm this unknown member Stranger. of the church sitting, no sitting and I was literally in the middle of the main, main set of pews in the middle of the pews. So like I have, I can't like run out and get out of there or anything like that. I'm just like bawling at just, just, just going. And I, I can't even sing anymore. Um, and I'm just and, Anyway, and but I, I knew that the Lord was with me that whole day, and I, I actually wrote in my journal, and it says, I felt that everything would be okay as long as I turned to my Savior and followed him, that even though I had this happen before, I was having another in a long line of conversion stories, from the sacred grove to the testimonies of servants of God and the overwhelming testimony of the Spirit, I know I am not alone, I have his constant guidance, direction, and companionship, I am his son. And that's what I learned from the sacred from the, the first vision is that we are literal children of our Father in heaven and he loves us. That's yeah. wonderful, Andrew. Thank you. Wow, Bradley, you how, me get teary eyed. How how would you answer that question or finish that thought? Because the first vision happened, I know that. So I strongly feel like um, this experience with the first vision strengthens my testimony of personal revelation. Um, going back to what I was saying before, he was only 14 and God trusted him, trusted him over all these other church leaders, all these other people in his life, all of his peers, his parents. Um, and so for me, this, this is really just a lesson that God will teach us what we need to know. And we do have people in our lives that we can turn to for support and for help. And um, like what Dennis was talking about, people need your testimony. Um, but ultimately, God cares about our relationship with them. And we can... I guess, like, to me, it's, it's just about, like, God wants us to, to get to know them and to be a part of their lives and to uh, strengthen our relationship with them. And we can receive that personal revelation in the same way that Joseph Smith did. Might not be the exact same way, <laughs> um, but it can be just as powerful and just as meaningful. Um, and I know my experiences are not quite the same as Joseph Smith. Um, but I mean, I feel like I've received a lot of personal revelation that has made a lot of people upset in the same way that Joseph Smith had a lot of people upset with him and said, that's not God. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, and it's been kind of discouraging to feel like all these people that I thought I knew and loved and trusted are telling me that I'm wrong for my personal revelation. Um, and so I like the story because it reminds me that I'm not alone in that. And 
Joseph Smith experienced that as well. Um, and he was a great man. Thank you, Bradley. Yeah. I, I want to add one more thing because Bradley, when, when you say that I know I'm not Joseph Smith, but I experienced much of what he experienced, I have that same testimony in that if, if in the iterations of the first vision, if they hadn't included the darkness, the being attacked by unseen forces, and all of that, if that had never been included, I would not have believed the first vision because I've never seen God in, in a vision, but I have been attacked every time that I try to do something good or try to bolster my testimony or to do something for other people's testimony of Jesus Christ. I have had that feeling of being attacked. So it was the inclusion of that part that helped me have a testimony of the vision. That's an interesting, it's interesting to read the, the accounts of the, the different accounts of the first vision and Joseph describing that attack that he has. And in, in the one that we're, we're most familiar with, it, it, it appears to be mostly physical, which it, it, it is. There is definitely a physical quality to it. But in some of the other versions of the, the first vision, we understand that it was actually more spiritual attack. Yeah. And, it, and, and, and I, it's interesting that some of the things, the attacks that were on him were doubts, confusion, and all manner of awful visions that he was seeing in his, and thinking about and, and cause his brain to go. And I don't know what those would be. Maybe they're, maybe they're pornography or something. Well, I have no idea. So but watching, watching the video, he said that he was, you know, overcome where he was choking, his tongue was swelling and he was having impure thoughts and stuff. And I went, <gasps> because this reminded me of my conversion. I used to talk I used to swear like a gay truck driver before I was <laughs> baptized. And I was driving home from Palmyra and my friends from the planet of Utah that were there uh, were like, all of a sudden I started going, oh gosh, I'm sorry. And I would start correcting myself when I'd use the Lord's name in vain. And that's something that's really, I take personal when I'm talking to somebody in the phone and they use Oh my gosh, but in the opposite way we do. And so I was, I was listening to this playlist of driving to Palmyra that I've listened for a hundred years on my Apple iTunes and driving home, I'm like listening to the same playlist and all of a sudden I'm, I hear Madonna go, come on, I'm like all ready to beat and bop and, and she starts you know, using the Lord's name in vain and this and that and I'm going, oh my goodness, oh my gosh. Like I couldn't disconnect Bluetooth fast enough because, and I, I had to pull over the car and I'm going, I looked up and I said, what have you done to me? Like, what have you done to me? But I was reading something in here where, uh, in DNC, where, or actually in uh, Come Follow Me, where he said, where Joseph Smith, there were many uh, versions of, of the first vision, but otherwise all consistent so there's always your story my story and the truth so there were many people that had you know he had talked to about that why are there various versions or accounts of the first vision and i think about that like with my own conversion story as being a public figure and a devotional speaker and a fireside speaker is is yeah, there's times I am speaking at a stake center and I get confused. And I'll say something that is a little different from what actually happened, but it doesn't mean it's wrong or somebody will have a different perception of what I've said. So I can totally relate to that where, you know, although there are different accounts of details from many people about the first vision, Otherwise, they were all consistent. 
And that uh, to me resonates. I've never had an issue with the different accounts of the first vision. Um, I've always, and it, it's because when I look at certain major experiences in my life, if I told you about the experience the day after it, and then I told you about it five years later when I have some clarity of what became from that, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell it to you in slightly different and, and maybe significantly different. I'm not going to change necessarily the facts, but I'm going to emphasize things that now I see from hindsight as opposed to yeah. right right then. And, I, and that's, I think, what happened, not to mention the different audiences that were being uh, addressed. Right. And so if he's addressing an audience of, uh, of, of people who he doesn't necessarily want to explain the entire gospel of Jesus Christ in this moment, he's going to he's going to speak in a way that is that they'll understand. And then maybe some, someone else he'll speak in a way that they'll understand. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, Bradley, do you have anything more to add about Joseph Smith's first vision or, or lesson to um, from Dr. I, as I was going through it, I was thinking through some of the similarities to today and how um, I think we also live in a time of a lot of confusion and a lot of uh, not sure where to turn, what's true, what's not. Um, but one thing that caught my eye was he said there was a lot of religious excitement at the time. And I kind of feel like today we're seeing the opposite where people are kind of turned away by religion and they don't want to be involved. It's just, it's gone to the point where it's either too confusing, too controversial, people have been hurt. Um, and, and those things are valid, but they just don't even want anything to do with religion. Um, I would almost go out and say that there's an anti-religious excitement going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the opposite of excitement? The that's, excitement. That's, it's that's very a... much, uh, I saw a lot of similarities except for that. That seems to be very opposite and distinct. And so I wonder like what that means for us in terms of trying to to bring people to God, um, because Joseph Smith had his own challenges, but we have very different challenges now um, with helping people come closer to Christ because people don't even want to believe in it. It wasn't like at the time they were just trying to figure out how to do that. Now it's like giving people a reason to do that. So, so Bradley, I have a question for you. Uh, in yeah. Come Follow Me in History, uh, Section 1, 21 through 26, we're asked, uh, I can remain true to what I know, even if others reject me. And then um, it says, when Joseph, well, we talked about this, but how does that resonate with you? Because when I hear the word rejection, it reminds me again of being an LGBT or gay and a convert to the church that, that um, we're gonna receive opposition or people are gonna reject who we are. And I just was curious, how does that resonate with you? Yeah, I actually had someone just recently, like earlier today, someone asked me about this um, because they had listened to my podcast episode with Pop Osler and asked me, why do you stay in the church? Why are you still a member? if you know people are going to reject you and they're not going to like that you're going to get married to a man and you're going to do all these things. Um, and I kind of just told him, well, I feel like no matter what I do, whether I stay in the church or leave the church, people are going to be offended and people are going to be upset with what I choose. And so there's like no scenario where everyone's going to love and accept me. So I might yeah. as well just prioritize myself and what I want to do. Yeah. And that's staying in the church and trying to be as Mormon LDS Latter-day Saint as I can. And, and I, I respect that Bradley. And that's something that is, um, so just so that our viewers know, um, I am living, you know, I have lived on both sides of the track as we talked about, but Bradley and I have different views on this. I have tried the other side of the track for many, many years. And so I am gonna be following the covenants of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I will always be what I call a full temple recommend holder. 
as providing my presidency feels I'm worthy, which is fine. And Bradley is choosing a different side where he feels that someday he is going to be married to a man. And I wear the CTR ring on my wedding band because it reminds me to choose the right and or current temple recommend holder or choose to remember. And where Bradley is a fellow brother and I will always support him whether he's in the church or out of the church. And that's what Jesus would do. That's what Christ would do. I'm a firm believer and I've had revelation that if, if when Jesus does come back or visits, when, when we do have the second coming, who is Jesus gonna be spending that time with? He's gonna be spending it with, with LGBT members. He's gonna be spending it with people like Bradley who may have you know stepped away from the church down the road. Now he's in the church now, but when he does get married to a man, um, we don't know what's gonna happen. But I guess the point is, is that we all need to strive to be, what would Jesus do? And when my best friend, who's a non-member, got married to a man, he asked me to go to his, he wanted me to be in his wedding and he wanted me to perform the wedding. And I said, no. And then I talked to Richard Osler about it. And he said, Dennis, you need to be there because that's what Jesus would do. And so I called my friend, Stephen, and I said, Stephen, you know, how about if we compromise? And he goes, that's great. He goes, and I was gonna ask him if I could do the opening prayer. And he said, Dennis, why don't you offer the opening prayer? And I went, oh, wow. And I said, I'll do the opening prayer as long as I can do it my way, which is our church's way of doing it. I'm not gonna do this generic fluff, fluff stuff. It's gonna be done through the Holy Ghost. And I went and supported him at his wedding and I almost didn't go. And so if Bradley ever gets married to a man, I will be there with bells on. I'll wear all my gay rights stuff that mission presidents and, and general authorities buy me and temple presidents to be there to support you. And I just need you to know that. Thank you. I'm interested uh, to see what, where, where the church may go with this. Um, in my opinion, so me and my wife were talking about this in relationship to this, this podcast today. She was asking me more about it, and we were talking about it. And, and about I, being I was, the stoke, token straight guy. Yeah, I'm the token straight guy. But kind of this idea that um, there is not a, a there is not an a very organized group in most wards in most i mean there are places in the church that you can find some support as being um for for gay and homosexual and lgbtq uh, i i get lost on what i'm supposed to say there but anyway don't worry brother we all, got you all that all that and and there are places where you get some support it's great that uh, like bradley has started the the, the group on BYU's campus and stuff, but at a ward level, I don't see much in way of of a place for people to fill. For, for instance, there's someone like Dennis who may say, "Hey, I'm never going to marry a man," which means then I can I can take advantage of the temple recommend, and and we don't know if that'll ever change or not. But that's up to the Lord and the prophet and whatever. What about people who do not fully qualify for a temple recommend? Much of the church is set up to support people who do qualify for a temple recommend or will qualify for a temple recommend. And I don't see a ton of support for people who are working on it, I guess is the better. I don't know if that's the best way to say it because there's more to it than that. But that's, but, but well, who may, I, may never hit that point and uh, i i'm just wondering about that i want to mention a couple of things first um i i was becoming a little uncomfortable when dennis was talking because he was talking about covenants um bradley's covenants and bradley's covenants are between bradley and god period um my covenants are between me and god dennis's covenants are between him and god our covenants are personal with our God. 
and that's very important to remember. It's also important to remember that we are entitled to and we are encouraged to seek revelation about those covenants. And this entire lesson was about revelation. So yeah. it's as, as the future progresses, we don't know what's coming down the line. We don't know what's in those, the, the, the sealed part of the book. <laughs> we don't know, but we can ask in faith. We can petition our savior for his, we can petition for grace. And, you know, it's, we go back and back and back and forth to the same thing over and over again. If I ask in faith, God will answer. I'm going to give a little bit of, of an answer that I received that doesn't have anything to do with um, LGBTQIA stuff, but it does have to do with strangers. I'm a medical cannabis patient. There was a handbook update that came out this spring that said that certain means of administration of cannabis were completely forbidden. It didn't matter what your doctor said. Well, I asked in faith. I Today we are doing a giveaway. I got on my knees. I prayed and... I went through considerable physical suffering during this time because it, I wasn't able to use cannabis in a way that would actually work the best way that I needed it to. I suffer from a condition called gastroparesis and a lot of nausea from that. So therefore taking something by mouth is a little contradicted right there. It actually increases my nausea. So I, I asked in faith and I prayed. And about seven months later, an update came out that changed that and put it back in the hands of my doctor. So more testimony, more mm -hmm. testimony to add to all of it. I'm going to go ahead and finish up our Come Follow Me lesson with that and say what, ask each one of us to maybe give a scripture or a bit of love and light. What did we glean from this lesson? What do we want to leave our friends out there with today? Dennis, you first. Well, my favorite is uh, James 1.5, and we address this a lot tonight, so I won't go into it, but any of you lack wisdom, ask of God. Fantastic. Bradley? My screen cut out, so I missed, I got kicked out of the Zoom call for a bit, so can you give me a refresher real quick? <laughs> I was just gonna, I'm just asking for what bits of love and light did we glean, did you glean from the lesson and what do you wanna leave with our friends for this week? Um, I wrote it down somewhere. So I think the biggest takeaway that I got from this, um, is we're not alone, both on the like, uh, spiritual realm, but also like in the physical realm. Like we are surrounded by people that love us and that can be there for us um, and that we can learn from. Hopefully a platform like this is one of those, um, but we're also not alone in the fact that we're God's children and we have a savior and we have the Holy Ghost to be with us. Um, those are kind of the things that I draw back to often whenever I'm struggling with anything is I can always turn to friends, to family, to loved ones, and I can also turn to God. I have both and I, I kind of need both. And I think that's an important aspect of this story and this lesson. 
Fantastic. Thank you, Bradley. Andrew, how about you? I, I think overall, I keep coming back to the idea that that um, when we feel like there's darkness around us, attacking us, uh, and our, our world is full of darkness, we can have a similar experience, whether it's metaphorically or physically, when Joseph Smith says, I saw a pillar of light exactly over my head. And that that statement, I saw a pillar of light where the light broke through the darkness and um, and and gave him this wonderful experience is the same kind of thing, whether it's, again, metaphorically or whether it's physically, um, that's what I get out of it, that, that the Lord is there to give us the light that we need. Fantastic. Thank you, Andrew. And I just wanted to reiterate that one sentence that just kept echoing in my mind when I listened to the first vision. And I think it's because when we have personal revelation, we also need to remember that we don't only know about this revelation. God knows. And God knows that we heard it. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you also for your patience while we are figuring out what we're doing here. We hope that your week ahead is full of the love and light of Jesus Christ. We love you, and so does God. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine.